With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello! Welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast on GameTimeCT.com. I'm Scott Erickson. We are joined by the Halloween decorated home uh, of Joe Morelli. Joe, welcome. Just as yes, we well, you, the, the viewers can't you. see, but we have our Halloween decorations up, and I see you're back outside. I'm back outside. Nice weather. Out, yeah. After last week's rain. Um, but you know what's interesting, Scott? Looking at it, I mean, we're, what, we're two and a half weeks into the season? Yeah. And I believe we're already at the point of no return, meaning if if any were canceled, like football yeah. was, you'd have to have – if you played 40% of your games for the most part, that's the season, meaning you can't go to the alternate season in the spring, March, whatever you want to call it. Um, the shoulders. We've reached that point, I believe, for almost everybody. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that works with schools that are shut down. Um because like, they're not playing their games, but they're not going to have a season by themselves. So I, I assume it's just if the if the majority of the teams have made it to forty percent, that that's the the threshold, right? Yeah, I believe that was what, what if I remember reading what the CIAC had sent out. So I mean, we're at that point already. I mean, two weeks from today is November, right? And uh, November second. Three weeks from today, the postseason starts. I mean, it, it goes, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, it goes that quickly, especially now when you have a five-week season or a month-long season. So, Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that, we've out, that they're halfway through about. But, yeah, the teams have played five or six games. Some teams are over 50% through. Yeah. Other teams who have, had, who have missed games or had games postponed have only played two or three games. But they should all be there soon. Uh, you know, we're seeing a few more postponements roll in. Uh, this week, we're going to keep seeing them. You know, I think as kids are are playing sports, one, but also, you know, I'm the kids are going to parties and kids are hanging out with each other and kids are not doing what they're supposed to be doing outside school. I can, I'll say that with 99% certainty. You know, there are probably some athletes that are really taking it seriously, but I guarantee there's kids that are going to parties, having things shut down. And then these schools are really contact tracing. Right. I know my friend's kid goes to school in uh, at Ludlow. And he was just in a class with another kid who had been at a party where a kid had COVID and he's home now for two weeks, like sitting at home doing home learning. And, uh, you know, some of these school districts are really serious about doing this contact tracing. And then just everyone who's been in contact is, is home and not playing soccer and um, not doing anything. You know, they're, they're, they're home doing homeschooling. So well, you hope that continues, but it, it's also chaos when you have so many kids that are, that get shut down every day. Well, that's the case. Is what came out right after our last pocket was Shelton High School. They were starting. Right. They were starting remote learning. They didn't say what it was, but they had three games canceled in one move. So for two weeks, they're not playing. So they may not have said the words, but we draw our own conclusions. And they're not playing again until October 27th. But for but that's also the school shutting down because of 
people, contact tracing, uh, somebody being exposed. So uh, you get some of that as well. And it's, it's, I guess we knew it was going to be a rough situation, Scott. We, we talked about it a number of times. Um, but like I said, I honestly didn't think we'd be at this point. I've said it a number of times, and I, I believe that. I mean, we'll, I'm sure the new numbers will come out today. It's going to probably be over 2%. And you know the numbers aren't that bad on the overall scheme of things. Will they get worse? Who knows? But I think they're going to finish, Scott. I think, I think we're going to at least get to the end of the regular season, hopefully the postseason as well, which we uh, also talked about. I would love to see some playoff games. It seems like the numbers are going in the wrong direction. I mean, every, every email that comes from my kid's school, I assume, is the one saying, that's it, bring them home. And yeah, I, we all kind of wait for that. And right. I mean, every single one I open, I'm like, this is it. This, 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 how does that fit? But I, and I just keep waiting for the you know, CIAC to shut things up. But everything seems to be to. okay. Things are okay. Things are okay. I don't know what it would take for it to shut down at this point. I, I really don't know the answer. What would it take? I, mean, I, I don't know if they'd have to roll back, you know, phase three that they're in right now and go back to phase two. But then, you know, they'd have to specifically say, hey, we, we don't want any more high school sports being played. I don't think that high school sports is the, the origin of these problems. I don't know that. But the fact that when these kids show up at practice, they are have their temperatures taken and they are right. following protocols and, We're you know, nice. they're in a somewhat safe situation. It's when they're outside of teachers and coaches and even parents when there's no regulations I think that's where the problems are arising with with high school kids yeah like I said they're going to continue to play and I think they should until yeah keep playing just keep going especially the weather's going to be really nice this week we're not going to get as much we had rain last week we're going to get some games in and like I said we're we're getting down to now you have something to play for we we released the SWC SEC and FCA a couple weeks ago the CCC has come out. They're they're playing a postseason tournament, something they don't normally do, but they have to because that's all they have. They're staying in their cohorts. Um, in fact, they're, they're splitting it up because each one has eight in soccer. Top four play their own tournament. Bottom four play like a consolation bracket, which is, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've even started looking at. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to start looking at that now. I mean, everyone's going to make it, so you know the regular season right. not as crucial. Obviously, you're just playing for seeding, but. If we can have some kind of meaningful playoff games at the end of the season, that'd be great. I mean, I, I've already started thinking about, are we doing, you know, all state teams and how will those look? And right. it's just so strange, you know, we can, and we can talk to the coaches about it, but you know, when you don't play your whole conference, even when you don't play the best teams in your conference, it's hard to judge the teams. It's hard to judge the players. You have some teams now that you look and you say they're undefeated and then you look at who they play and they played the same teams you know, in all four of their games. So they're, you know, they haven't taken a loss, but they haven't really played anyone that good either, you know. And then there's other teams that are maybe have a bad record right now and they've played, you know, two of the top three teams in the state or something, but they're just all stuck in a pod together playing each other multiple times. Yeah, I, it came, it started as let's get games in and we mean some. Now it starts to mean something and you yeah, the kids start are to want to win too, something. Yeah. Hey, you want to yeah. win something, you want to – have success and again because you're playing the six closest schools or however whatever it is you're not maybe playing in this case the Southern Alaska girls you're not playing those rivals you're playing a rival next door so for hand as we talked about but I don't know how you judge postseason stuff but I think there's something to play for I think it's good for the kids I think it's good for us I think it's good in general so yeah, I mean, I was I was up at Paparag and I was talking to them and you know they had a slow start to the season two ties and and a loss. Uh, they got their first win against Abbott Tech, but they were saying the fact that everyone makes the playoffs, 
kind of gives you the the hope that hey, we had a slow start here. We've lost a couple of games, but if we turn this thing around, we can get back right back into where we were last year. We're going to play for the same championship we played for last year. It's going to be done differently, but we have an opportunity to do it. And I think that's going to keep more people engaged, more teams engaged, because um, they're over the part now that they're playing. They, they, they've been playing that. Now. Right. They said they right. want to play for something. You mentioned Paparog. I had noticed Paparog girls undefeated 5-0. Yeah. and I don't believe they've given up a goal. So, no, I'm sorry, they give up two goals. But here's the interesting thing. SWC is the one conference, as we mentioned last week, they're playing for a championship, a true championship. because true championship. The, North, the South yeah. Division. I mean, the, to me, the North Division is a little bit more difficult on the girls' side. Immaculate, uh, Brookfield, all those schools. Paparog looks to be the best team right now. They could come out of there, face possibly Notre Dame or Fairfield, you know, and you have a true SWC champion. And the other conferences, you have pod champions. And that's kind of the way it's supposed to be. So, and who knows the SWC? What's that? And they're uh, doing that tournament, but still also allowing each team to play three games. So if you lose, you're right. still going to continue playing. So everyone's going to get an experience. Everyone's going to get the three extra games. But if you keep winning, you're actually playing for the SWC championship. And you're going to have to get through the best teams to, to do that, which I think is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, unscored upon teams, West Haven uh, is five and zero. West Haven girls. West Haven girls. Yeah. Five and zero. Uh, have a big week coming up. Uh, Peter Trenchard, uh, longtime coach and former Lawton Hall coach before that, is going to join us as our guest in the next segment. And, and Scott, you, you're you're been down Stanford a long time. You don't have a lot of traditional powerhouses in certain places. I mean, it's a place like West Haven is not your traditional, like a for their hand. I mean, it's not a soccer program and, and compete with the Amity's and Shell or whatever you have to, you know, it's, you, you, you develop them over time and it's not like you keep getting kids coming in. So I think what he's done is very good. And he's an example of a program that's having a good year. That's in a different division and, and having success. I'm sure like you said, we've had, we're having these schools having success depending on the region they're in and West Haven so far has been one of them. I mean, you, you've been around West Haven obviously a lot more than I have, but I mean, every few years they have a good girls or boys program sure. yes. there. It's, it's just they don't sustain it the way that Hand or Guilford does. But, you know, the, on the boys' side, they have a really good player right now, too, in, in Barragon. I mean, so they, they, if you get a few of those kids in the soccer program, which maybe it looks like the girls are doing right now, we can talk to the coach about it, obviously. But Yeah, Salah, in a couple of years ago, Salah Omaru was our area player of the year in New Haven area for three years. and thinking about Albertus, and but he was a tremendous player from Africa. And uh, like you said, yes, you get players. But as you know, Scott, you played the game. You need more than one or two players. you got to have a team and the defense and a philosophy. And so far it's been working. Like I said, we'll talk to Pete about that. Yep. So I guess we will take a break. And when we come back, we will uh, have Peter Trenchard, West Haven Girls Soccer Coach, as our guest on Just for Kicks. Welcome back to our Just for Kicks podcast, week four already. It's amazing how quickly the season goes. And our guest this week is the West Haven Girls soccer coach, the 5-0 and unscored upon West Haven Girls soccer <laughs> coach, Peter Trenchard, joining us on the Just for Kicks podcast. Pete, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, Joe, I hope you didn't just jinx us. Uh, he definitely well, jinxed you. He definitely <laughs> I, I've been accused of it in the past, so you know who to blame. Um, again. It's been a crazy year. We've talked about it ad nauseum. I'm sure more people would like to hear about it because they want to talk about soccer. 
But what has it taken for your program to get to this point? A lot of hard work. Um, you know, the, the girls have been great. We, we can trace back preparing for this season to when we were in quarantine in the spring. You know, we were in uh, constant communication with each other. I would post weekly fitness and um, technical workouts for the girls to complete. And, you know, they did it. They knew that when there was a season, whether it would be spring or summer, they were going to be prepared. And they, they pushed themselves. And unfortunately, they didn't get their club seasons in in the spring. But that hard work carried right over into the summer. In July, when we started our fitness sessions, you know, they were raring to go. And, you know, you can see all that hard work that they've done is, is really paying off so far this year. You know, they say there's a lot of thought, uh, thought and positive thinking, a lot of belief in that, and uh, it helps. Was there a lot of positive thinking on your part, on the kids' part, and are you surprised at all that we're at this point? There's definitely a, a lot of positive thinking, a lot of give and take with the girls, a lot of, um, you know, Zoom calls with the captains and, and communication. You know, I know a lot of other coaches, you know, did, did similar things where they would, you know, kind of give the kids things to focus on. You know, we, we focused on just being prepared when and if a season right. would take place. Um, I gave the girls readings about um, winning and a, a winning culture. And again, things like that, you really see them putting into, into practice in our everyday sessions. And, you know, I mean, just like everybody else, we're, we're just thrilled to be playing right now. And, and the fact that we're playing well is, is a cherry on top. But just the fact that we have a season and everything that the girls have pushed for, you know, really has a chance to come out. As I mentioned, it's year six for you. Um, you were at Laurelton Hall previously. You've been around the game a lot. I'm, I, I hate to say, oh, this is the best team he's had. But what we, Scott and I were talking uh, prior to you coming on the last segment on the podcast about how it's not necessarily easy from a non-traditional soccer program to, 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 to get this. But you kind of know you have it at a certain point, and then you have to kind of re, rebuild, not reload. How has that been as far as to get to this point where you're playing for something and having important games versus, you know, with the, I want to say also Rams, but with the other teams, if that makes any sense. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to package right there in that one. Yes. <laughs> Elongated question. But this, again, a non-traditional program, how long does it take to, to build to this point? How many years, I mean, six years you've taken to ha get this kind of success. Yes? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it is a long process and, you know, we're, we're blessed this year with a, a solid group of players from top to bottom. Right. Um, you know, coaches talk about the, the best teams that they've ever had. I would say this is probably the deepest team I've ever had. And that's key when, when you're playing games like this and it's a condensed season. Um, you know, we have great seniors who, who have been a fantastic part of the program for four years, you know, down to some incoming freshmen who are making contributions. Um, you know, a lot of these girls, especially the younger girls, I've coached in the youth program for years, so they've been around me for a long time. So they know the expectations that I have, you know, things that we, we try to instill in them early on, you know, like hard work and, and dedication to the program and that team first kind of mentality. You know, and all those things over the years, you know, it, in the beginning where you were working on building the culture, 
now the culture is established and a lot of these girls are just, you know, kind of fitting right in, ready to go. Um, you, I noticed you, do you split your Gardner and Corral, two goalkeepers, they split the games um, last week, obviously a big impact as far as why you're unscored upon. Have you been splitting them all season long and how successful has that been? It's been very successful. So we had a conversation prior to our first game, um, Mackenzie and, and Cassidy and I, and they're both fantastic goalkeepers. I mean, any program would be blessed with either one of them. Um, you know, they both have, have made some great saves for us. So we, we talked about how you know, the fair thing right now is that they, they split time. They both accepted it. Um, like I said, they, in practice, they push each other. You know, they are each other's best cheerleaders. Um, you know, and, and, the, and the bonus is, you know, Mackenzie usually plays in goal the first half, and then I can use her in the field in the second half. This past weekend was a perfect example where our number one forward, um, Julia Sakonis, went down with a, a calf injury, nothing serious, thank God, but she needed a break. And, you know, Mackenzie Gardner is right there willing to do whatever it is to, to help the team. And, you know, with, with two goalies and a solid team defending in front of them, you know, it's one of the reasons we've been so successful so far this year. Coach, uh, you played another team that's had a lot of success within your region right now. Uh, Shelton, it's the only game you guys get against Shelton. Uh, have you guys kind of been looking at that one now, uh, the way the season's broken, and see this as kind of a big game right in the middle? Yeah, you know what? This week is a, is a huge week because we have Shelton tomorrow. We've got Amity on Friday. And then we kind of restart games right after that with Walton Hall again. So all three teams – traditional powers, all three programs, very, very strong. You know, we, we, you always talk about like, like everybody does taking it one game at a time. So we're trying not to look forward to Amity right now. We're, we're trying to focus on Shelton. You know, they, they've always been a strong program. Every time I've ever played them, it's, it's always been a battle. You know, they're, they're well coached. They're very deep. Um, they have a lot of girls that, you know, soccer is their sport. So they're playing soccer year round. Um, you know, we, we've talked about we're not going to change what we do, you know, no matter who the opponent is. We, we try and make opponents match us instead of changing our, our tactics and changing what we do. And Shelton is a, is a perfect example. We know that they're going to be tough. We know that they're going to be a strong team. We know that they don't really have any weak spots all over the field. But we also know if we go out and we play our game and we play to our potential, we know it can be a, a very competitive game and we can get a result. So you guys pretty much stay in, in your same formations every game, game in and game out. You're not going to try to switch that up. I mean, what, what philosophy have you guys been using so far this season that's been working for you? Um, you know, we have our style of play, which is, which is trying to play the ball quickly, not get stuck holding on to it too long. Um, you know, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's, it's the way a lot of teams play. You know, if we soak up pressure, we know that we can counterattack quickly. Um, obviously, we, we have, you know, things in the bag for, for, if, for special scenarios. We just, we haven't had to really pull those out yet, luckily. Um, but, you know, we, we have the ability to change things up. Um, the girls, our squad is very, very skilled and, and can play a couple of different ways. So if we need to change something, you know, we know that we can, um, but like I said, if we focus on, on our game, 
and and we really come out and play to our potential and and play to the ability that I know the girls are capable of, you know, we can we can compete with a lot of teams. When you guys are trying to counter, who on your team, and I, I assume they're in the midfield, are the key players there for you that, that are able to allow that transition for you? Yeah, so, you know, we have two senior holding mids in Selena Izzo and Kaylee Hollister, who um, who do a great job on both sides of the ball. You know, they're kind of that that rock in front of the back four, but also when they get the ball, the, the people that spring that attack, you know, in front of them, we have Maddie Lentine, and then we're blessed with two very quick, speedy wingers in Corey Samarino and Maya Bermudez. And then on top of the chain is Julia Saconis. Um, the nice thing for us is, you know, this year, unlike years in the past, we're not dependent on any one player. Right. It's very hard for other teams to try and mark us out of the game by focusing on that one top skilled player because any of those girls can get it done. And how important was their experience and to be able to play that style of soccer this year? You know, it's, it's huge. And it's, it's a mixture of, of, of experience and, and age groups in there from seniors down to, to sophomores. Um, even the sophomores, you know, the Maya and Julia, who are, who are 10th graders for us, they both played a lot last year as freshmen for varsity. Um, you look at the senior leaner, leadership that, Selena and Kaylee provide in the midfield um, and then Maddie and Corey as juniors again have, have played every year since since they stepped into the program so that's one of the things that's been really really key they've, they've been there they've none of them are getting thrown into the fire they've played tough games they've played tournament games and they know what to expect. Pete Tragic from West Haven uh, joining us on the podcast. Pete obviously you weren't sure until August what kind of schedule you're going to have but um, the SCC now changes like every two years or now every year, I believe, schedule. Yeah. So you never know for certain uh, who you're playing until after the season. How has that been as far as playing different teams? And have you gotten to see everybody at least once in the six years? And, and again, you're playing Ambie and Shelton. Maybe you don't play them next year. So how does how that worked out, good or bad? Um, Bad in terms of if you don't see teams every year, sometimes you don't know what to expect. You know, things change year to year. You know, last time we played Amity was, was three years ago, and, and we're both very different teams, you know, from, from where we were back then. Right. You know, unfortunately, they got the best of us. That was the first round of the state tournament three years ago, and, and right. they knocked it out. And it was the same thing. It was, it was a great competitive game. That's one of the nice things, you know, about the SEC is – you know, there, there's not going to be a lot of easy games. Every game is going to be tough. It's going to be competitive. You know, so it, it really doesn't matter who you play. You know, we, we're constantly talking about you, you play the team that they put in front of you. We also know this year, you know, looking at our schedule, you know, we're supposed to have, say, Laurelton Hall next week, but that could change. You know, and with, yep. with quarantines going on and – some schools getting shut down. You know, we were told from the very beginning, be ready to be flexible. So you just kind of have to take it as it is. It, it is nice to have those games against competitive teams like Shelton and Amity. It, those are, those are going to be good, fun games. No matter how they go, it's going to give the girls a, a world of experience, especially both being away games, you know, Shelton night, Amity away. Um, you know, those are, those are always going to be tough games. And even, you know, we, I've played law, and foreign in the past, but, you know, things change from year to year. So it really doesn't matter, like, what happened last year. It doesn't really matter 
you know, if you think you have a good handle on the team, you know, it's just day to day and anything can change. As you mentioned that Pete, and I'm sure that's been talked about from the days of conditioning. How much did you talk about that? Do you still talk about it? And how resilient have the kids been understanding what you just said that it could change in a heartbeat? It could change in your own program. You just don't know. Yeah, I mean, the girls are, they're teenagers. They're, they're resilient. You know, no matter what challenge you front, put in front of them, they're going to find a way to overcome it. And that's, that's one of the great things. And, you know, I always say I, I do enjoy coaching girls a lot more than, than coaching boys because they're coachable and, you know, they, they adapt quickly. They, and they buy in quicker too. And, you know, the, the group of girls that we have, they, they have each other's backs no matter what. You know, so, so they know, you know, things can change in a heartbeat. You know, if, if a player goes down injured or if a player has to quarantine, you know, it, it's awful. But those girls also know that there are 30 girls ready to, to have their backs and help pick them back up and, and carry on for them until they're ready to slide right back in. Did the possibility of a postseason, uh, does that add any extra motivation for the kids? I mean, we don't really, we're not exactly sure what a postseason will look like, but the fact that there might be something else to play for after the season? Yeah, it always gives them that push. You know, if, if we are playing 11, 11 friendlies, you know, you maybe you're, you're missing that little extra bit of intensity. You always know the kids are going to go out and, and play hard no matter what. But the idea that you are playing for something at the end of the day, it gives them that little bit of extra push. You know, maybe that one nothing game was a 0-0 game because they're, they don't go as hard for that 50-50 ball or as hard for that that 1v1 tackle. But knowing that they have something, there's, there's that thing at the end of the season, um, no matter who it's against, you know, that, that postseason is always the goal. And that's the thing we talk about every single year in, in West Haven girls soccer is we play to our ability and we want to make the postseason. Now, no matter what way, shape, or form it is, we want to make sure that we're there at the end of the day. Yeah, last year you got knocked out of states by Farmington. I mean, I'm sure this group would have been one that would have liked to make a little run or at least get out of the first round, right? <laughs> You've had yeah. a rough, a rough, some rough first games. Yeah, and that's the, that's the joy of being double L. Yeah. You can have a, you have a fantastic <laughs> year and, and, and be really strong, and then you, you pull a Farmington or a Glastonbury, and no matter how, how good you are, there's, there's always someone better. You know, last couple of years we've – We've drawn Farmington the first round, Amity, um, Trumbull, Fairfield. You know, there's – but, you know, at the end of the day – There's no easy games. There's no easy games. No, in that once you get into the postseason, there's no such thing. And, you know, we, we just have to put ourselves in the, the best position to succeed. And, you know, we talk about it. It's win, lose, or draw when we get to that point. You know, we made it. We, we should be proud of ourselves, proud of ourselves as a program. And then when that game's done, if we don't win it, then we use it as a learning experience. And that's what springboards us into the next year. Peter Trencher joining us uh, on the podcast from the West Haven Girls Soccer Program. Pete, I've often heard throughout my uh, time as a journalist, how the coaches, the importance of being in the building. Um, you weren't with Laurelton, you are a teacher in the building of West Haven. In a year like this, how much more importance is put on being in the building or is it not as important? Especially if they're going half days, like you said, um, is there importance putting on it more now than ever because of what we're going through? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, I think it's good for the girls to know that 
no matter what's going on, I'm always here for them, whether they just need a, a quick spot to go because they're having a rough day, whether they need a, a quick spot to go for a breather. Um, you know, even after school, it's, it's good that I'm here because I can keep an eye on them, you know, as they're doing their homework and their study hall. You know, so I think being in the building is, it gives you that little bit of extra interaction with the girls off the field. Um, they also know that, you know, me being a teacher, grades come first, and it's very, very easy for me to check up on them and follow them, especially because I've had a lot of them in class. Um, so I know what they're capable of off the field. And, you know, those are discussions that we have sometimes if a, if a kid is slacking off a little bit, you know, it's just as important what you're doing off the field as on in my eyes. And, you know, grades are, are key. And being a teacher, they, they know that's, that's where I'm coming from. Have you noticed at all when the kids get to practice and get to the games, a sense of relief that they're just out playing soccer and not doing all the other stuff they have to go through every day with in school? I mean, it's very different. Have you seen that relief from them when they get to practice or games? Yeah, once we, we get to practice and we get out in the field and the masks are off and they could get that, that breath of fresh air. And I think there's the relief that, you know, day by day, they, they still get to do it. Right. Um, you know, like I said, they, they know it could go away at any point. And I think every day that we get to be out there, they're really happy. They're really appreciative. Um, and like I said, some, they're ready to go to work every day. You know, it's, it is a, a really great group of kids. And I think almost any coach would, would say the same. We're, we're really blessed to, to be able to do this and be in a position, especially a year like this year, where I think having that interaction with each other out of the classroom, off the phones, off the computers, it has been has been great for them. How appreciative, you said how appreciative you were, how tough has it been? How much have you had to adjust with the mask and just, just everything, how it's different and it's not normal, but you kind of have to make it normal because you have to be an example for your kids. How, how tough has that been or has it been easier transition than you thought? It's been easier than I thought, but it's still been challenging. Um, again, being a teacher, teaching with the mask on all day long, is really, really hard. Um, you know, a lot of what I do, both as a teacher and as a coach, is, is playing off of the students and off of the players. And with the kids with their masks on, I can't even tell if they get my corny jokes or my sarcasm. <laughs> you know, so, so being that part, you know, it, it, is tough. I have to kind of pull like, hey, was that funny? You guys with me on that? Um, out on the field, it's easier because I, I can see their faces. Um, and I can read their, their facial expressions. But even, you know, going back to, to the summer when we were, we were training in cohorts, I know a lot of coaches had, had to put deep thought into how they arranged their cohorts. Did they arrange it by experience? Did they arrange it by position? Did they do a mix? And, and we did a mix, making sure that there were, there were seniors within each group so that, um, you know, the younger players had someone to look up to, somebody that was familiar with the styles and, and what was expected and you know that carried through fitness through the summer and then into when we got to start um, getting balls into the workout and you know it, it, it was challenging trying to you know we did a, a lot of station work you know because the kids were in smaller cohorts already so you you do a lot of stations because you, you can't do full field activities you can't do full team activities but you can come up with these different skill stations, whether it was dribbling or passing or, you know, fitness specific. 
to keep the kids focused, keep them working. Um, so it, it was definitely more challenging than, than anything I've had to done or anything I've, excuse me, I had to do in recent years. But end of the day, it's, it's, it is all for the kids. So you, you take on that challenge and you put in the extra work to make sure that um, they benefit from it. Was there anything you guys did that you were forced to do in the early preseason that you said, hey, this is a pretty good idea and you might carry forward and, and change things the way you, you do things? Not really. <laughs> um, you know, get back to the way you did it in the past. Yeah, it was, it, it was really just finding ways to, to adjust and tweak things that, that I've done in the past. Um, you know, coaching youth soccer for, for years, I, I've done station work all the way through and you know, I coach youth hockey as well. And, and that's all about stations on the ice, getting the, the maximum out of the limited time and space that you have. So, you know, a lot of the things that I do, they were, they were pretty easy to transition. Again, it, the, the challenging thing was after a month of that, a month and a half of that, trying to find ways to keep it fresh, to keep the girls engaged, you know, as dedicated as they are, um, you know, if you're doing the same thing day in and day out, the very same activities, they start to get a little bored. So I made sure every day to, to try and change things up a little bit and, and develop new games. You know, I'm, I'm at a point now in my coaching career where I'm pretty comfortable. You know, I don't have to go searching for drills. I can, I can make up my own stuff. And sometimes I have to tear it up and never do that again because it, it didn't work. And a lot, of, right. a lot of times, you know, they, they, they were able to love the activity and, and really have a lot of fun. And again, trying to keep them happy and having fun when they were still in, in cohorts and still had to be, you know, maximum distance away from each other, even while out in the field. It was a challenge, but it, it was, it was worth it. West Haven High School is 5-0, and unscored upon. Big week this week at Shelton Tuesday night, at Amity on Friday. I know a lot about your program this week, Coach. Peter Trencher joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Pete. Good luck this week. Good luck the rest of the season, and then we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, we are back on Just for Kicks. Uh, it's always good to have an undefeated coach on here. They're, they're always happy in a good mood, you know? Yeah. And I, think they, all been, they, they all, I think they've all been undefeated, right? Uh, Shelton hadn't I'm played the sure. Sheldon hadn't yeah, played a game yet. Sheldon hadn't played. Something and then once, if they lose a game this week, they'll come back and be like, see, I should have done that podcast. It's Joe Morelli's fault. Yeah, well, Sullington hasn't, still hasn't been scored upon. Uh, right. Uh, kept it going, yeah. I assume the Glassman boys are undefeated. I, I guess. I, I'm not looking, but I, I would think so. Uh, I think they tied a game, actually. Did they? Did we jinx them? Uh, I would have to check. Yeah, you, you checked that. Uh, while you're looking at it, um, the one interesting game I saw this week when we talked about for a couple of weeks now was the rematch with Trumbo and St. Joe's. And yes. Maddie Free getting hurt in the opener. Uh, she missed one game, came back for a couple of games. But obviously, it was in a very intense game. Two to one, St. Joe's wins. And she scores on a breakaway, beating the keeper to a loose ball, through ball, and scores with like seven change left. Um, and, and they're going to see each other one more time in November. That's a nice little rivalry. And again, that's the one benefit of these pods. They're all playing in a your closest rival, and obviously St. Joe's and Trumbull has been is two quality programs, two of the better programs in, programs in the FCAC, if not the best. Um, and uh, another thing we, we talked about in a story on Game Time CT, um, Notre Dame of Fairfield lethal scorer Tony Domingos uh, scored four goals on Saturday against Stratford, 
as I guess 98. You were, I, I guess you, were, you weren't there then, right? I was not. I, I didn't, you know, I, you know, I, I was not. As we there. know, she does not, she does not score when Joe Morelli attends the game. Oh yeah, that's true. That, that is true. I guess I, I, I went right over my head, but yes, three games I've covered, she's not been, but, but they, uh, one of the teams that she, I saw was at Barlow. Well, it was versus Barlow. And that's what they play on Tuesday uh, to see if she can get two more to get to the hundred mark. To tie Sam I mean, Laval, amazing. Yeah. Who, who has a hundred goals. And by the way, uh, do a shout out to our producer, Pete Guag. did honest to God, no BS, an excellent video package on Tony Domingo's. Uh, he did a really good job. Uh, uh, I hope they appreciate it as much as I do and other readers do. Um, and he does a really good job with that. But um, she's a good, good kid. She's going to go to the University of Maryland. And um, she's been a lot, been a, meant a lot to that program. And easily, to me, the best player in the uh, Southwest Conference this year. Uh, so the Glastonbury boys did tie. They tied Ram 1-1. They've given up one goal all season. And it was part was of it after time. we talked to him? No, it was before. Okay, so we didn't no. jinx him. Well, that's good. Not our fault. Uh, it was the second game of the season, and it was a 1-1 tie. Well, it, it's – They have not it given up a goal otherwise. Okay. It, it goes quick. Like I said, it's we're, we're October 19th. Like I said, in two weeks, it's going to be uh, November. And, and we have a postseason to look forward to, let's hope. So right. it's, and yeah, Glastonbury's played six games. A lot of teams have played six games. I mean, they're yeah, they're halfway, halfway through the season now. I mean, this is this is it. It's happening. And it's they're going to get to play three games in their. Well, actually, the CCC will play two games in their in their um, pod or region or quad or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the ECC looks like they're going to play three. SWC looks like they could play four to get to the championship final. Uh, SCC will probably play three. And obviously, as you mentioned, so what is it? Is the SEC just playing though? They're not going to have a. No, they'll play, they'll play their divisions. They'll play their divisions. Us in their divisions, but the, the division winners are only going to no, play in no, the SWC, no. right? Just the SWC, as far as I know. I don't even think. Let's expand it. We got to expand that. We got these. Well, you know these... who will do it? The ones that are in the one conference. Shoreline Conference is in one twelve team league or whatever it is, and they're going to play like they normally play. You know, Normal tournament. Yeah. So we'll have Shoreline and SWC. Yeah, maybe the Berkshire too. I I, I don't know. Do um, it, Berkshire. But again, I think it's as you can tell from what uh, I think it's good to have something to play for, and it's good for these kids and something to look forward to. And I think a lot of people are thinking that way now. Yeah, you have to. I mean, it, it's you, you're, we're past the point of we're just going to be happy to be out here, and now we're playing for something, and it gets a little more real. It's getting a little chillier out, and feels like fall and there's going to be real you know real games going on um we're here we did it again what this is four weeks now for our podcast yeah we we'll made be it back next week too yeah we're back now definitely back next week we'll have a boys coach and then we'll get uh back to the girls coach the coaches have been great uh you know it's interesting talking to them during this season because it's it's such a different season and to get everyone's different takes on it some people liked that preseason stuff they had to do obviously you know Coach we had on today did not like it. Yeah, <laughs> said I cannot wait to get out of that system. It's terrible. Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, you're doing the same thing for how many weeks and the same kids, and you really can't do any skill work until the end of August. We got to be there. There was, was a there hawk. There was a hawk. How <laughs> close did it come to you? It's like two feet. <laughs> did you see it fly behind me? Is that on no, video? No, I did not. Are we gonna get this on the podcast, Pete? A hawk interrupted our podcast. That's oh my god! Well, you you handled it better than I would have. I would have been running, so I, my my podcast <laughs> would have been over. 
He probably thought you were lunch, Scott. I didn't know what. I saw something come out of the corner of my eye. I didn't know what it was. He keeps laughing, our producer. He can't even help swamp. himself. There's like a swamp behind me that he hangs out in. He's probably going to go catch some frogs. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, like I said, it's good to have something to play for. It's nice that we still have decent weather out. And uh, like I said, it's another week in the books, Scott. We did it. For Joe, I'm Scott. This was Just for Kicks. We'll see you next week on Game Time CT.